Welcome to the world of digital sound. Hey there, good people of the internet. Welcome, welcome. This is Ken. This is another Ken Burton podcast story. And uh, welcome, welcome. You are very welcome. Um, I'm just, I'm just looking at my screen. For some reason, I'm very loud. I don't know why I'm loud. Am I loud? Do I sound loud? I don't think I'm loud. But if I'm loud, I'm s- sorry. Maybe I've adjusted something. Have I adjusted something now? No, everything looks kind of normal. So, okay. All right. This. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> How unprofessional of me. <laughs> really? Okay. So, um, before I start, I want to uh, just update you on the Patreon program, uh, which has been going great guns. There are, they are people that are basically going onto the uh, patronage website. Uh, link in the description and uh, I'll just give you a link to that as well hold on (laughs) and again how incredibly unprofessional let's just kick this into gear while we go and look at something on the internet right okay so uh, the address is www.dot and all that uh, patreon p-a-t-r-o sorry p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Ken Burton, or one word, okay? Patreon.com, Ken Burton. Now, um, <laughs> I've had quite a few comments about this, and people are saying, well, what the fuck are you doing asking for money? Look, um, what I'm doing is, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm trying to market these podcasts. I'm trying to get them in front of people's eyes, in front of, you know, the right and necessary set of eyeballs so that people who um, are able to do things with these, uh, such as make a pilot or um, put them in a, you know, some sort of series. I'd, I'd love it if this became a movie. I just would. It's a passion. It's a dream. It'll probably never happen. But in the interim, I've got patrons who are helping me with monthly donations and uh, what's happening with those is they're going together with my money and uh, we are basically paying various people to put these in front of people's eyeballs okay Uh, and it might be the question of you know putting together a um, uh, a proposal and doing it in a in a certain way. I mean, you cannot you cannot just walk into Disney and say, "Look, I've got an idea." You just can't. You can't contact Amazon and say, uh, "I've got these podcasts. Go and listen," because they won't. You have to do it in a certain way. And there are companies that help you with that. And this is what this patronage money is all about. Okay, easy. Now, um, if it ever came to pass that this happened. If we ever got somewhere with this, I would be shouting your names from the rooftops, okay? But in the interim, you're going to have to put up with me shouting your names in a podcast story. Um, Two people that I want to mention this week are Max Ball and David. I think that's Doughty. I think it's Doughty. I I looked at it and thought Doherty, but it's not. It's Doughty, okay? Let me... um, let me just tell you what that these guys have become patrons okay recently these two guys have become patrons and max and david are making now uh, a contribution to the dream you know not just my dream 
it is probably you know the the dream of the faithful as well who are out there and want to see want to see these podcasts go somewhere and you know max and david are doing something i mean it, it's not a small thing putting your hand in your own pocket is not a small thing i personally i i donate to charities right i i, I mean i'm not going to big that up because i don't donate a lot but um, for a lot of years now, I've donated to Cats Protection League, the um, RSPCA. Um, there's a donkey sanctuary, <laughs> which <laughs> there is a donkey sanctuary in Skegness, and um, you know the various other things. Uh, I used to donate to a couple of others until I found out that their um, chief executives were being paid a quarter of a million pounds a year. And I just thought, fuck it, I'm donating to that. I'm not donating to your salary, mate. I'm trying to donate to make a difference for people. Uh, but anyway, so these are the two guys I want to shout out this week. You are you are helping to make the dream a reality. You are diamond geezers in my book. And by default, you are the faithful. Max Bell, uh, sorry, Max Ball and David Doughty. Okay, they're my two patrons of the week. <laughs> Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you for that. Okay, so um, podcast story. Yeah. So I was, I don't know where to start with this. I was talking to somebody right, about these and uh, we had we had a little bit of a, um, a chat about certain things that have happened in the past and how they've affected me now because he he went through a number of traumatic experiences all right um he was in the falklands okay he's i'd say he's a, a mate of mine he's somebody i grew up with um he he lived a couple of doors down from my parents and he had a very traumatic experience he was on the coventry okay now the Coventry got sank and uh, it all hell broke loose. A lot of people died. It was a bloody nightmare. And, you know, he, he suffered as a consequence. And um, <laughs> he reminded me of something uh, that, to be perfectly honest, I've forgotten. And uh, I do have that. Those of you who listen to this show on a regular basis will know I have this memory issue now. Um, which uh, I'm, I'm 50 odd, I'm diabetic, type one, um, I've got kidney failure, I've got all sorts of shit going on in my life, okay? I've also got uh, bipolar disorder, and that was only diagnosed three years ago, two years ago, uh, but it explains a lot, and it's gone undiagnosed for a very long time, and it's, it's certainly had an effect. And I'm not sure where my memory issues are related to that, but they, that I'm absolutely sure they are related to that. I forget things which you can't forget. All right. Uh, um, I'll give you an example, quick example. I was working at one particular place, right, in a town called Corby in the UK. And... Uh, the company decided to shut that premises down and they moved 500 yards down the road. Okay, so this place was empty and it, it remained empty, I think, for quite a few years. But 
this place was sat there. When I um, when I left that job, I did five years with Machinima and, and various other people in the States. Then I came back and started working for another company. I got in my car one morning and I drove to that place that I used to work that is now empty. And couldn't understand as I was sat outside why mine was the only car in the car park. And where were all the cars? There used to be 20,000 cars stored there. Where were all the cars? And I'd, I completely, my brain just could not comprehend what was going on. And that, I mean, absent mindedness, yes, but that's on a whole new level. And I sat there until I made a phone call to say, what the fuck is going on? And I was reminded at that point that I didn't work there anymore. And I worked somewhere else. And the last time I was there was probably about six, seven years before. Why I thought I worked there, I have no idea. It, and in, you know, you get you get up, you get dressed, you get a shower, you, you well, do it the other way around. Hopefully you do anyway, you weirdos. Um, you're weird if you do it that way. But um, I, I, I think most people have an instinct, you know, and they instinctively do things. So you get up, you have a shower, you get ready, you're breakfast, you get in your car, you go to work, right? And when you do it a thousand times, you become an automaton. It's automatic. You, do, you have no say in what you can do practically. It's just something that you do. <clears throat> and it felt like that. It felt like it was an everyday normal thing to do. To to get up, get ready, have breakfast, get in the car, and go to work. And I went to somewhere that I worked seven, eight years before. It is and so that's one example of my memory issues. I've got others. I can't I met people, I've met some brilliant people. I went to Gamefest a few years ago, met some great people there, shook a lot of hands. I can't remember that trip. Um, and it was an overnight. And I met quite a few people. I met Syndicate was there. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these big gamers were there. I can't remember meeting them. And that, that was only a few years ago. So it's that's one example of my my memory issue. So if you take that, that's kind of short term, but I've also got very long term things that I can't remember and things that I've kind of, I think, subconsciously blocked out. Um, and this is one of those things, I think. That there are things that I do remember and I'd really rather not. And most half, three quarters of these podcasts are about exactly that. Um, they're about exercising demons that are in my head. When, I, when I'm reminded of something that I've forgotten, like this story, um, I'll, I'll think nothing of it. I'll let it brush past me. And then I'll wake up in the middle of the night screaming in, in a cold sweat um, because I'm back there. I'm back in that situation. 
I've got this, exactly the same emotions. I've got exactly the same fears, the adrenaline. Everything is back there. And then I wake up and I get up and I have a fag and I might get a drink and then I go to bed and try not to think of it again. But unfortunately, when one of these things kicks into my head, even if I try to distract myself greatly, and it works fine during the day, at night I'll wake up with this. And some nights it's waking up screaming, some nights it's waking up absolutely scared to death. Um, it's, it's different things. And when I talk about these things, I seem to be able to exercise the demon. And lots of people that, that comment, lots of people that contact me, they help in that regard. They help me to exercise the demons. When I talk about seeing people on the dark side, I see people on the dark side. This isn't just just some comment I made up. It's not just a saying. I do genuinely see people on the dark side. Jesus, I've had fights with people that I know are dead. Um, <laughs> and, I, and then I wake up and everything is so fucking real. It's just so real. It, it just, it's a torture. It's a form of torture. It's the reason why I started the podcasts. It's the reason why I continue to do the podcasts. Although, having said that, there are so many of you that kicked up merry shit when I stopped doing the podcasts that uh, I thought, Jesus, you know, if you are that keen on it, then fuck it, I'm doing it. I'm doing it again. Um, so hopefully that explains a lot. Hopefully. Maybe it doesn't. But hopefully it does. If you're new to this, by the way, you ain't got a fucking clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> so you, I've done about 120 of these podcasts, right? These podcast stories uh, going back years and years and years. I'm talking about various aspects of um, Coventry in the 1980s and uh, how I grew up, grew up, where I grew up, what I did um, and why I'm now haunted by this. But let's get the disclaimer out of the way. So all any parts of this podcast may or may not be true. It is up to you, the listener, to decide whether or not you think it is. And put a comment in the comment section in the YouTube version of this. You can get this on Spotify. You can get it on iTunes. You can also get it on Podbean. But um, if you're going to comment, either become a patron, because I talk to people one-on-one -on -one through that, or leave a comment in the comment section on the YouTube video. Okay, um, so, oh yeah, all characters in this story are fictional unless stated otherwise, um, and do not refer to anybody alive or dead in perpetuity forever, and party the fourth part on the second part, didn't do it, I'll own the drink, hold on. Mmm, mmm, juicy, juicy. <clears throat> right, so, <laughs> let's get down to this one. Um, as I say, I was reminded of this because of an old friend. Um, I was reminded of this because he went through 
uh, kind of traumatic experience, and it was it was really similar to what I'm going to tell you about now. It was much more serious for him than it was for me, and it's probably something that a lot of you who are listening to this have experienced. And this is how I dealt with it. I don't recommend this way of dealing with it. But sometimes you've got to fight fire with fire, you know? So let me light a fag and we'll get going. Okay. Mm. Smoky. Okay. Um, Christ, I, I was trying desperately to think of when this was. I cannot remember. Uh, it was in the 80s. I can't remember at what point in the 80s this happened. But I I kind of remembered it um, a little bit last week because we were talking about it, me and my old mate. And uh, then I relived it <laughs> four or five times, two or three times a night. Over and over, I relived it. And this is why I want to talk about it. So, this is all about a guy called Andrew. Okay, now, back in the 80s, I had a run in with Andrew. Um, can I tell you his real name? <laughs> oh, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that. I wonder who this fucker is now. He can't be anywhere where he's going to do anything. I don't think. No, I'm going to call him Andrew. Okay, um, so for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast stories, we, we were basically fag end gangsters. We repoed cars. We um, did some work for the family who you can only, when you think about the family, you think Sopranos. It's not. It wasn't like that. But there was a family that ran the city, prostitution, gambling. They ran fucking everything. You couldn't do a, you couldn't do a, you couldn't mug somebody in the street without the family knowing about it and uh, having their permission to do it. But that's who we were, and we were the fag end of that. So when you think um, the, there's going to be a robbery, you've got the guys at the top that are planning it, or no, the guys at the top that are funding it, the guys underneath that are planning it. The guys underneath them that are actually going to do it. And then guys underneath them who are their backup. And then think three or four rungs down the ladder. And that's us. <laughs> we're, we're the guys that they called when they wanted us to sit outside a house for four hours. We're the, we're the guys that they called if they wanted a street conveniently blocking off by a, a minor accident or a breakdown to stop a police car coming down a certain street. That that was who we were, okay? So anyway, um, as I've said on many occasions, and for those that don't know the previous podcasts and the, the how we were and how we lived our lives and the the, the lack of this... Um, drama that kids have these days, especially about relationships. We didn't have relationships. We we had friends who were girls. 
we had a big group of us. We hung around together. And I might sleep with Katie this week. I might sleep with Jenny next week. And, you know, and then Katie again the week after. It, it just wasn't, oh, God. And it, there might be sex in that. There might not be sex in that. We, we were just hell-bent on having fun. And the consequences didn't really matter. And the rules didn't apply. They just, normal rules didn't apply. They just didn't. So every weekend we went through a structure where um, this happened really on Friday and Saturday nights. But um, on Sunday nights it was a little bit different. But on Friday and Saturday nights we'd go to the pub, have a few beers. We would uh, then leave the pub and everybody in the pub was bent. Everyone was a gangster, right? They just were. It's where everybody met. Everyone knew each other in that place. And that's where we did our drinking. Now, after the pub, we would go into town, we'd do a nightclub, leave it till about maybe half 12, one, and then we'd go, go and do another nightclub. The first nightclub would be rowdy, the second nightclub would be very quiet. Um, more of a sort of gentleman's club. It was a nice way to end the night. But that is that is how we lived our lives. So, on with the story. So, uh, Andrew, he and I were in the pub, um, and he was, he was one of these guys, I didn't really know him that well. I knew of him. Smoking again, sorry. I knew of him. Did I know his brother? I think I might have known his brother. Anyway, um, so Andrew was in the pub this night. Whatever Andrew's fucking problem was, he was looking for a fight. And it all started with a few beers, the odd stare coming in my direction, and ended up with him throwing a glass at me. It was quickly extinguished. That sort of thing didn't really happen back then, uh, especially not throwing a glass at somebody. That's just fucking bang out of order. If you're going to have a fight, punch, punch him. But putting a glass in somebody's face, fuck me, you would lose your kneecaps for that one. Anyway, he threw a glass, it missed, right? Now, it turns out that afterwards, I was told by a third party, that he thought I'd slagged him off and was bad-mouthing him after dating his ex-girlfriend, right? Utter bollocks. <laughs> Utter bollocks, because A, I never dated, right? It's just completely bollocks. And I just never dated. I went out, we went out, we had fun. We had lots of fun, but I never dated. And this girl became part of the group because she got on with the other girls. She was Andrew's ex, um, and it all kind of, you know, for some reason he thought that I'd taken her from him, that maybe I was going out with her or having sex with her at the same time he was with her. So I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I never got, I never really got to the bottom of the actual reason why this guy was losing his shit. But the second reason is this. I never slag anyone off unless they're stood in front of me. I think that is just cowardly, utter bollocks. 
for you to say to somebody, oh, such and such is a cunt, if you won't say that to the guy's face, don't fucking say it at all, because it's cowardly. And it's it's like all these trolls on uh, on Twitter and various places, you know. I'm going to kill you, you're going to die, I'm going to kill your kids, I'm going to stab your kids. Yeah, if they were stood in front of you, would they say that? No, because they're cowards. So I, d I just made a point of it. I just never did it. I never slagged anyone off unless I was stood in front of them or I was prepared to stand in front of them and say the same thing. Okay, so that's easy. But we all felt like that back then. We Nobody within our group started drama. They didn't. It was, and anybody that did was quickly out. You know, all of a sudden that person wouldn't get the phone call, wouldn't be welcome to come down the club with us, wouldn't be welcome to sit around the table with us. You know, drama happened back then, but it's not something that we tolerated. We always, if we had something to say, we'd say it to somebody's face and take the fucking consequences. Okay, easy. Now, as, as it happens, on this night, as I say, a few of the people stepped in and broke everything up before it ever got started. So, so it was all good. Now, he knew that I was kind of connected. He knew that I did work for the family. And I think somebody might have reminded him of this because he backed off. Saw him a few times in the pub, coming weeks. And apart from the old glance in my direction and a sneer, we never contacted again, right? We just, we didn't do that. I stayed my side of the pub, he stayed his. If he fucking hates me, he can hate me. But do it from over there, mate. All right? Because I'm over here not giving a shit. You do it from over there. Now, after about a month from the altercation, a few strange things started to happen. My car was vandalized a couple of times first time it just got keyed okay um and a key was run down the paint on each side i took it to a workshop had it sorted out it was it was annoying but it wasn't you know a massive deal and it could have been anyone to be honest the second time it happened every piece of glass on the car got smashed most of the panels on the car we dented. Somebody took the equivalent of a baseball bat or a two by four to my car and fucked it up big time. I mean, to say that was annoying would be an understatement because it's only happened to, I mean, where I parked my car during those periods, there were 30 cars in that car park. Um, and it was only mine that had been attacked twice. So once you can call it some, you know, random shit, but twice you can't, you know. Anyway, um, so <laughs> then my flat went, the flat was burgled. Now I was away for a few days, right? I was on job with the boys and uh, the flat was burgled and the place got wrecked. Whoever did it, they had brought some spray paint with them and used it to put the word wanker on my wall. Okay, now I'm going to describe my flat to you 
because I remember this was the 80s. The entire flat was black and white. It was black and white. Everything in there, it was either black, white, or a touch of grey. The walls were a touch of grey. I had a white ceiling, grey carpet. I had black furniture. I had uh, black leather sofas. Um, my table was black. You know, um, the uh, the woodwork was white. And it, it, for that time, and I had black and white pictures over the walls. At that time, it was pretty trendy. But my nice white walls had got the word wanker um, written on them. And you could see where some other things he he tried to write, but either ran out of space or he couldn't spell one or the other, one or the other. So anyway, um, <laughs> to say I was pissed off would be the grossest of fucking understatements. I I really struggled to deal with the anger. Um, my TV had been smashed, and that, that really pissed me off, because that was a very fucking expensive television, I can tell you that. And the insurance company, they were not happy bunnies at all about paying this out. They, they did not want to pay out on this. Now, if I tell you this, please don't judge. <laughs> It was the 1980s, all right? Don't judge. I had a waterbed. Um, yes, I was that guy. I had a waterbed. And my waterbed had a knife put through it. Okay, yes. Um, you know, the, the waterbed is not something you'd have these days. But... It was a talking point. It was great to sleep in, and uh, sex on a waterbed is really fucking good, you know? It's really good. Um, you're going to continue with judging me now, aren't you? You just are. I can, I can feel you judging me through my microphone. I had black satin sheets on that bed, and a few well placed mirrors. Yeah, okay, it looked like a fucking porn set. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> so, um, what really annoyed me was many of the um, tapes that I collected, and we're talking, yeah, look this up, kids. We're talking VHS tapes, video recorded tapes. I collected them for years, and uh, they're all my favourite films, um, lots of things, lots of things really, I mean, many of us did back then. A lot of them were damaged um, and smashed, along with both of the sofas that had cost me a fucking fortune. They'd both been slashed, knifed. And I'm like, Jesus. Now, I think the insurance claim hit a good few thousand quid. Um, and they weren't impressed by that. And a good few thousand quid. You you got to remember, nineteen eighties. You could you could buy a uh, a very good sofa for like five hundred quid. 
you know. So, I mean, they were black, they were leather, they were big. They were four, two four-seater sofas in my front room. And both of them did slashed. Um, things were missing from the flat. Uh, I had a couple of cameras, uh, my video camera. I had some cash in my um, bedside drawer. A couple of watches, uh, one of which was a gift um, that wasn't really impressed that I'd lost and uh, one or two other valuables but my gun was secured in the safe and that safe resided in my airing cupboard which was bolted to the wall at the back so um, I don't know if they got to it it didn't look as though they did uh, it was still hidden by everything in the airing cupboard the blankets and sheets and stuff uh, so I don't think they got there but the rest of the flat was trashed. Now, my front door was really fucking secure. Okay, it, it was a really secure front door. They had climbed onto my balcony, and I did have a balcony in my apartment, and forced a patio window. Not something I'd ever thought could happen, but hey, you know, we live and learn. Now, slowly, I replaced all my shit. And uh, after, a, after a couple of months, I didn't really give it a second thought. I put the word out, trying to find out who'd done it, trying to find out you know, who was selling my shit. I, I drew a blank completely. And then one night, I've been out with the boys and the girls, and we'd had a few shandies, more than a few shandies. If I remember correctly, I think we were celebrating somebody's birthday, if I remember that night. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, we had been back at mine for the usual nightcap that everybody has. And then everybody, unusually, everybody left. Now, it was unusual, but um, the following day, uh, there was some sort of event that everybody was going to in London, or a lot of people were going to in London, some sort of free thing in Hyde Park. And I wasn't going. So they all fucked off so that they could um, uh, get a good night's sleep and a good bed. And, uh, you know, taxis turned up, people got taken away, people drove away. You know, it was, it was that sort of situation. All right, let me take another drink. Mm. Mm. Oh, my God. I'm just watching somebody do a three-point turn outside my house. Fucking idiot. Okay. <clears throat> so everyone pissed off basically and I'm on the flat I'm in the flat on my own well I say on my own uh, me and the cat and uh, we just kind of you know the cats the cat's not allowed on the water bed <laughs> uh, the cat knows it's not allowed on the water bed but at about four in the morning the cat is on my water bed and it's annoying me and it knows it, it shouldn't be there. And I thought, well, it's a bit early for food, even for you, you greedy little bastard. And then I heard someone in the flat. Now, that's, that's not necessarily unusual. Faint muffled noises, whispering. Again, not unusual because people use my flat. If they had a late night out, they're in the town, and they have a set of keys, and a lot of people like keys, then they might come around and just doss there. Um, so it did happen, it happened quite a lot. 
So what I wanted to do was go and walked into the lounge. And there were three guys with balaclavas over their heads and eye sockets cut. And that's when all hell broke loose. I went for the first guy, I had a closed fist, I made contact with his right cheek, big time. Pretty sure I was just under his eye. He went down, but the other two pretty much had me beat. Um, I was grabbed, put on my knees, um, my arms were held behind my back, and the guy that I'd hit first, he got up off the carpet, and then he just looked at me. And there was something about his eyes. There was just something about his his manner that just seemed really familiar. But before I could engage my brain, the punches started to come in. Now, the first few, uh, to be honest, weren't that bad. And then that was followed by a load of kicks, and that was to my body. And remember, I'm on my knees, so these kicks are hitting my chest, hitting my stomach. It winded me quite badly. But then my hair was pulled back, and the punches started to rain in, into my face. I'm not entirely sure how much of that I took. Although, to be honest, I'd like to think I remained on my feet for a while. I probably didn't. When I came round, it was two faces looking down at me, friendly and concerned. And uh, thankfully, these are people I knew. The flat was again a mess. Um, I couldn't concentrate properly. My, my head was pounding. I, I couldn't see properly. But what I could see was spray painted walls and broken shit all over the place. I went to the bathroom uh, to wash the blood away with the aid of one of the girls that was there. And I wanted to see the damage. Um, now, I had this thing back then, and it's, it's vanity, pure vanity. I hated being hit in the face. Hated it. I couldn't, I couldn't be doing it. If I, if I got a black eye, I wouldn't go out. If I got a swollen cheek, I wouldn't go out. You know, I just hated it with a passion. And it always took so fucking long to heal. I remember Martin and uh, Sharon came in to see if I was okay. And then Carol, who was there, um, she said something about the cat. The cat's not right. It's acting weird. And I was like, the fuck are you talking about? And then I totally forgot about me and went in to see if the cat was okay. And it clearly wasn't. After a short discussion, Carolyn Shaz very kindly offered to take the cat down to the vet and I was left with the boys. They cleaned me up and then we started to clean the flat up. Well, they did most of it to be honest. 
more people started to arrive. Phone calls were being made and word got out about this. Some people came in armed and angry. Some were um, some were more than angry. And I think if if these boys had been there that night and it was fucking coincidental that they weren't, I think these three guys would be dead. The girls were great. I mean, the girls were just fucking brilliant. But they always were. They always were. It took about a day to clean up. Uh, the insurance wanted a crime number. And I had second thoughts. It being the second time in a month that I'd been burgled. So I didn't bother with the claim. And then... Following day, the boys offered to come round to our could have fucking stopped them. And uh, when they turned up, they had paint, they had buckets, they had brushes, they had everything. It took a day to repair the damage. Um, one of the guys took my uh, plastic and went off to go and get me some new shit, uh, a new phone, uh, home phone, because it was it had been smashed. Um, again, the sofas were fucked, and the, the sofas had literally only been there, Christ, a couple of days. Took about a minute. Do you know how long it takes to get a fucking sofa? But they were they were they were really good. And then Mike came round. And he looked very serious, unusual for him. And he said he had a name. Well, I was last in the queue for hearing who it was because the boys were pissed. And uh, we wanted to know who it was. We, we were all ears. And he told us that Andrew, that guy, from months ago, had been seen with damage to his face. Well, that at least is enough for a conversation with him. So we made a few calls. We got some more people together. And we agreed to take him. And arranged a place that we could talk. The family were really fucking good. I mean, well, the guy that we spoke to from the family, I don't even know if the family ever heard about it, but the guy that used to give us the work, he was fucking brilliant. He gave us the use of a lockup in Holbrooks so we could um, we could take the guy there. And together we put a plan together. Andrew always hung around with his brother and his brother's idiot mate. So we sent a couple of cars to watch the house and we had a report back about eight o'clock to say they'd visited an off license and returned with some beers. So we paid him a visit. Four at the rear, four at the front, front door opened and the boys forced their way in. Only three guys were in the house, so that made it easier. Andrew, his brother, and his fucking idiot mate, 
within seconds, these guys had gaffer tape around their mouths, their hands, and they were forced outside and into the cars. I was waiting for them at the rocket. As they drove in, <laughs> the boys were, they were pumped, you know, the, the, the fucking adrenaline during something like that, you know. It would, you could cut the atmosphere. You just could. The guys, the three guys are taken out of the cars and sat on chairs. Uh, chairs nicely arranged, three up in the middle of um, what was a lockup. It was probably, probably size wise enough to get six cars in. It was about that size. <clears throat> and then I said to Andrew, I got one question for you. Why? And he denied it. Demanded to know why he was there. You know, what have I done? You fuckers are in trouble. I'm phoning the cops. You know, I told him he could play stupid all fucking night, but the outcome's going to be the same, mate. So I made them an offer. I said, okay. You didn't do it. Not one of you did it. You are not the three guys that were in my fucking flat beating fuck out of me. All right, here's the offer. First one to spill his guts goes home. And the idiot started talking. This is the mate of Andrew's brother. He was instant. He claimed he didn't want any part of it that he was talked into it by the other two, that it wasn't, you know, something he wanted to do, blah, blah, blah. And I told him to shut the fuck up. And I said, okay. Second question. Who kicked my cat? Silence. Maybe 20 seconds of silence. So I asked the question again, who kicked my cat? All I got was fuck you, go fuck yourself, we'll be coming for you when all this is over. You can't walk down a dark street without looking behind you to see who's fucking coming mate because we're going to fucking be there. <sighs> These are three guys tied to fucking chairs. One of them shitting himself, the idiot, and the other two, fucking mental mental well at this point the boys had had enough and um, started in on all three of them um, I there's nothing I could have said I wanted to talk to them more I didn't get the option they were being kicked and punched and fucking hell it must have gone on for 10 minutes then all of a sudden door to the lockup opened and everything stopped. The guy that we would normally deal with from the family, who represented the family, he walks in with two minders. Now we'd worked for this guy for quite a few years and we knew each other. He explained 
that he heard what happened and asked if these were the guys. And I just think I just nodded or said, yeah. I didn't know why he was there. I t maybe he was there to look after his lockup. I, I didn't understand why he was there at all. He looked down at these three guys and he shook his head and then looked at the two minders that were with him. Not, uh, not a good look, <laughs> say the least. Um, as I said, he, he looked at his minders. He put the um, one of the minders that moved towards Andrew, and he put his chair upright uh, with him in it. He took out a gun from his jacket and shot Andrew in the left knee. The other minder stuffed a rag in Andrew's mouth and that was to stifle the screams. And then a second bullet into the other knee and more muffled screams. He looked at Andrew and he said, an attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. You put one of mine out of action when I could have needed him. That's totally unacceptable. He looked again at his minders and he left the building. Now slightly shocked by the events, I turned to Andrew and I said to him, is it over? And he nodded profusely. You were lucky, I told him. The other two could have been attending your funeral, mate. If I had my way. And I asked again. Who kicked the cat? In a shot, idiot said it was Andrew's brother. So I asked the guys to stand him up and I kicked the guy so hard in his bollocks that he passed out. He ended up on the floor. We gave um, some very basic first aid to Andrew. We put him in the car and the boys literally threw him out of the car outside the hospital. I've got no idea what they told the cops. The cops would have been called, I'm absolutely sure of it, but I've got no idea what they told them. All the staff at the hospital. But we never saw any comeback from it. In fact, apart from the odd rumour, we never saw any of them again. I think they probably moved. They must have, thinking about it, they must have gone. Because, I mean, we just never heard anything about them. I have no idea how long Andrew was in hospital. I have no idea if the guy ever walked again. And if he did, it would have been with a fucking limp. 
I've got no idea what sort of damage I did to his brother. But what drove them to this in the first place is, is the question, what started this? What the hell... What the hell was he thinking? I mean... Anger, resentment, jealousy, is it worth it? Was it just a pride thing? Did he think he could maybe impress her? Or, you know... Did she say something to him? I, do, I have just no idea. And this is why we never got involved in the drama. She left town as well. Um, she feared for her own safety, from what I was told. Now, I could take most things back then, but not that. We had to give him an answer. And every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Nobody forced him to do what he did. Nobody forced him to fuck with my car. Nobody forced him to break into my flat. And nobody forced him, his brother, and his fucking idiot mate to kick the living shit out of me. Took me months to get over that. Psychologically, just telling everyone I was fine and I wasn't fine. <sighs> easy, easy, simple thing. Don't kick my fucking cat. <laughs> That's no, that that doesn't happen. You don't do that. You just don't do that. Now, what I would like to do is apologize for the uh, quality of the audio on this one. I had some problems with the microphone, which I will get sorted. Um, but um, guys, this has been Don't Kick My Cat. <laughs> and hopefully it'll exercise a demon. You know where the Patreon site is. You know where to go if you want to hear more. I'll see you on the dark side. You will take care now. See ya. Welcome to the world of digital sound. Shutting down all systems.